Disability and Aging Services Commission meeting of Wednesday, June 1st, 2022 to order. I am the DOS Commission President, Martha Knudsen. This commission meeting is being conducted pursuant to the provisions of the Brown Act and recent executive orders issued by the governor to facilitate teleconferencing to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmission at public meetings. Ordinarily, the Brown Act sets strict rules for teleconferencing. The governor recently signed a new amendment to the Brown Act to allow continued use of teleconferencing for public meetings during a state of emergency, provided that commissions such as ours make certain findings. To comply with this legal requirement, items five and six on this morning's agenda is the request to consider whether continued use of teleconferencing will minimize health risks and whether our commission is able to use teleconferencing in a manner that allows public participation and transparency. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv channel 78, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching us live on SFGovTV. The commission asks and thanks you for your patience during these unprecedented times. We respectfully ask the public to have patience and expect delays and, ga and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment. To eliminate background interference, all panelists and presenters that are presenting via WebEx are asked to mute themselves when not speaking or waiting to present. The San Francisco HSA DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take the roll? Thank you, President Knutson. Commissioners, please respond with present when I call your name. President Martha Knutson. Present. Vice President Janet Spears. Present. Commissioner Sasha Bittner. Present. Commissioner Wanda Zhang. Present. Commissioner Michelle Carrington. Commissioner Nelson Lum. Present. Commissioner Barbara Lesclar. Present. And DOS Executive Director Kelly Dearman. Present. President Knudsen, we have a quorum. Great, thanks. Commissioners, the next item, item three is communications. We'd like to provide further instructions for the public comment process. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda and during general public comment. Both channels 78 and sfgovtv.org are streaming the number across the screen. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available via phone call. During each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call 1-415-655 zero 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 one access code two four nine one eight two nine eight nine four one pound and then pound again when connected you will hear the meeting discussions you but you will be muted and in listening mode only when your item of interest comes up dial star three to be added to the speaker line 
Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. You will have three minutes to speak. You will be informed by the moderator when you have 30 seconds left. After 30 seconds, you will be muted and placed back to listening mode. Alternatively, public comment can be submitted by email to ravi.derbige at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, they'll be forwarded to the commission and will be included as part of the official docket. Are any other communications from the do are there any other communications from the DOS commission members? Okay, we can go to the next item. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Commissioners, your next agenda item is agenda item four, approving the minutes of Wednesday, May 4th, 2022, DOS Commission meeting. And I wanted to note that we were going to, I'd like to amend the uh, meeting minutes to include Vice President Spears' last name. It was just indicated that it said Vice President, and we wanted to make sure uh, her last name is included in the minutes, um, which I'm sure will be fine with the commissioners. Are there any other <laughs> comments or questions from the commission regarding the Wednesday, May 4th, 2022 DOS Commission meeting minutes? Any other adjustments? Okay. Um, then, if we don't have any, does anyone from the public wish to comment? Do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Great, thank you. Uh, hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve Wednesday, May 4th, 2022, DOS Commission meeting minutes? I move that we approve. Okay, uh, Commissioner second. Bittner has moved. A second? Second. From Commissioner Vice President Spears. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve the Wednesday, May 4th, 2022, DOS Commission meeting minutes? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. It's a unanimous vote. Great, thank you. Uh, commissioners, your next item is agenda item five, which is a resolution to hold in-person meeting with some members possibly appearing remotely. And I'd like to note that uh, Commissioner uh, Bittner and Commissioner Sklar are joining us remotely today. Um, are there any comments or questions from the Commission regarding this resolution? Do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comment. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve agenda item five, which is the resolution to hold in-person uh, in meeting with some members possibly appearing remotely? I move. Okay. Thank you, Commissioner Bittner. A second from second. Commissioner Jung. Um, could we please uh, have a roll call vote to approve the resolution? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. It's a unanimous vote.
Great, thank you. Commissioners, your next item is agenda item six, which is the authorization to allow third party presenters who are not city employees to attend the commission meeting virtually pending any California code change or mayoral supplement to the emergency proclamation. And I do know we are being joined remotely by some third party presenters today. Uh, are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding this resolution? Do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve agenda item six, which is, no. go ahead. A move by Commissioner Sklar remotely and a second. Second. From Vice President Spears. Uh, authorization, uh, uh, can we have a roll call on that, please? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Uh, yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Michelle Carrington, how do you vote? She's not present. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. It's unanimous vote. Okay, thank you. Um, commissioners, item seven is the executive director's report, and we welcome our executive director, Kelly Dearman. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, President Knudsen. Good morning, commissioners. Um, in terms of my report, I just have a few things to report on first. Um, in terms of the governor's May revise, uh, there are a few things that might be of interest. Um, for the Community Living Fund, there is a $10 million one-time general fund um, which will be available for three years for the Community Living Fund. This will be administered by the Department of Rehabilitation. The funding is to assist people on Medi-Cal transition out of nursing homes and back into the community. The really interesting and good thing about this is it's based on San Francisco's Community Living Fund program. So kudos to us. Um, for caregiver resource centers, um, this transfers $14.9 million in funding and oversight of California's caregiver resource center program from the Department of Healthcare Services to the um, CDA. And it adds $545,000 ongoing for statewide training and technical assistance. There are 11 caregiver resource centers in California. There must be one in San Francisco. Yes, and there is one in San Francisco. Um, additionally, there's $3.5 million in one-time funding to support an outreach campaign to raise awareness of the resources available for long-term care ombudsman outreach campaign. Um, then. Uh, it also looks at the emergency preparedness and response. There will be $400,000 ongoing funding to develop strategies and resources to help older adults, people with disabilities, family caregivers, and local partners prepare for and respond to emergencies and disasters. So in terms of Medi-Cal, there's an additional $66 million that has been allocated to support county operations of Medi-Cal programs with the goal of supporting uh, Medi-Cal expansion efforts, including the expansion to individuals who are over the age of 50, regardless of documentation status. 
an additional allocation of $92.5 million was provided in the governor's budget to continue the Home Safe program operated by APS through 2024. It's not currently clear what San Francisco's allocation will be, but we all know uh, the funding will um, allow us to continue to scale the effort that we're currently that we currently have underway between APS and the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing to link individuals who are in permanent supportive housing or shelter but need a higher level of care to assisted living. So, you know, we're dealing with very complex clients there, so this is good news. As soon as we find out what our allocation will be, we will let you know. Um, on the local level, uh, just a reminder that there will be no commission meeting in July. Um, this week, we are expecting that the mayor will release her budget, and by the time we meet again in August, we'll have a resolution on our budget requests. Um, I want to give a shout out to those who attended our celebration for Older Americans Month last week. I think it was a good event. Um, I also, uh, last month, I visited the Edwin M. Lee Apartments at 1153rd Street, which is um, by Swords to Plowshares, and it's a collaboration of um, vets and families. And um, I was thinking of you, Commissioner Lum, and I think we should figure out when you can go and do that visit as well. It's a beautiful building, and they're doing amazing things. This month, we celebrate Elder Abuse Awareness Month in California, and across the globe, we recognize World Elder Abuse Awareness Day on June 15th. DOS is pleased to participate in this virtual walkathon that is sponsored by the Victim Service Unit of the District Attorney's Office in collaboration with the AAPI Steering Committee. Self-Help for the Elderly under Annie Chung's leadership is spearheading the effort. In addition to DOS, other partners include the Institute on Aging and their Elder Abuse Prevention Program, API Legal Outreach, the, Violence, the Family Violence Council, and uh, the San Francisco Police Department. Organizations and groups of individuals are encouraged to form teams to participate in the walkathon. Flyers with the registration details are available for those of you who are here today. I'm now holding up a visual. <laughs> And on June 15th, a brief press conference will be held at the District Attorney's Office to recognize World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. Lastly, in recognition of WEAD, World Elder Abuse Awareness Day, and Elder Abuse Awareness Month, I thought I would share a couple of data points related to the highly impactful work that our Adult Protective Services Program carries out every day. As you probably know, APS plays a critical role in addressing elder abuse and the client-centered work that is carried out by our staff assist vulnerable individuals to live with dignity. Our APS program is extremely busy. On average, APS receives and responds to 774 reports of abuse, neglect, explo exploitation, and self-neglect every month. The majority of reports come from mandated reporters, which include a wide, wide range of professionals, such as healthcare and social service providers. We also receive many reports from family members of clients, neighbors, concerned individuals, or anonymous sources. In January, the presumptive eligibility to be considered an elder for the purposes of APS 
services dropped from 65 to 60. Since January, our reports have increased. Since the law changed, we are now receiving an average of 90 new reports every month, which is included in the 774 monthly reports that I previously referenced. We have staff working day and night, including weekends and holidays. In fact, the volume of reports that our program is receiving outside of regular business hours has increased by 17% since 2019. In 2021, APS received close to 3,000 reports outside of normal working hours. It is truly a 24-7 program as we will send a protective service worker out at any hour of the day or night if necessary. I really just want to thank all of the APS, APS staff for the important work that you do. And that's all I have. Okay. Thank you very much. Any comments are, uh, from commissioners? Okay, I just want to say thank you for uh, covering that in such detail. I think the statistics that you just told us are stunning. <laughs> and I just think it's mm -hmm. really important that, you've, that you gave us that, that depth. So thank you for that. Sure, thank you. And just that we applaud the work that's being done yeah. every day. We need day. to applaud the work that yes. is being done every day. <laughs> Thank you I all think. for everything that you do every yes. day. <laughs> Commissioners, item eight is the DOS employee recognition. Executive Director Dearman, President Knudsen, and the DOS Commission will honor Cecilia Sinzeho, who is a human service service technician with the Adult Protective Services at DOS. used to being in person yet. <laughs> so congratulations, Cecilia. Uh, the human service technicians are some of the unsung heroes at Adult Protective Services in the invaluable ways that they support the protective service workers and deliver services to clients. Cecilia is one of those unsung heroes since she joined APS in November 2019. She uses her gentle, soft-spoken approach to engage even the most challenging clients and works in true partnership with the other human service technician, technicians to tackle the complex tasks requested to support the most vulnerable residents of San Francisco. When we ask the protective service workers what has worked well is managing caseloads, the award, overwhelming response was using the human service technicians and wanting to highlight how much help they have been. Cecilia is a jack-of-all-trades and helps ensure that there is always a supply of San Francisco food bank boxes to deliver to clients in need of food and taxi vouchers to provide to clients in need of transportation. Staff share that even if a client speaks a different language, Cecilia is able to somehow communicate and make the clients feel heard and transport to and from important appointments. Cecilia provides extraordinary service to anyone she interacts with and is always willing to go the extra mile. She is an asset to the APS program, and we are thrilled that she is being honored as Employee of the Month.
Okay, thank you, Cecilia. Commissioners, item nine is the advisory council report presented by the advisory council president, Diane, President Diane Lawrence. Good morning, commissioners, executive director Dearman. It's nice to be home in our usual <laughs> meeting place after so long. Um, so this report covers the May 18th advisory council meeting. Um, there weren't any action items. We didn't have any guest speakers this month, so we used the time to kind of catch up on things. Um, so the Dignity Fund Oversight and Advisory Council members uh, reported on the update on the May 16th meeting, and that was the first meeting for the two new representatives to the Oversight and Advisory Council. Um, that meeting discussed budget priorities for the final year of the first year cycle. Um, there are some changes, obviously, with COVID and now that we're um, kind of looking back and so some efforts on the digital divide, the needed hardware updates for SF Connect. Um, and there's some additional funding from the Department of Aging to help us with, along with funding for nutrition, mental health, vendor transition programs, and transgender older adult programs. There was an update on case management, um, and I think I pretty much detailed that in the report that was sent to you. Um, the Disability Center is moving along, and there was a discussion about what the estimate and in increases in the cost of doing business could be for the following year, which is about 16.5 million, give or take a couple of thousand dollars. Um, Marcy, Dr. Marcy Edelman provided the LGBTQ updates. She told us that Tom Nolan had revised the um, LGBT Aging Task Force. Uh, this was a group that was put together in 2014, I believe, and looked at um, LGBTQ issues in San Francisco. They've accomplished most, they've actually, goal was, um, they had fulfilled and implemented most of their recommendations, if not all. Mm -hmm. So the goal is to revisit uh, the recommendations from the 2014 report. One of the outstanding issues that's still there is the collection of sexual orientation and gender identity um, data and DOS does the best job, uh, probably statewide. And there are four other departments in San Francisco that are working really hard to improve their data collection, but at a statewide level, it's still uh, problematic. And there was a presentation at the C4A conference uh, on this collection of SOGI data, and that report should be available sometime this month. And the work continues on a state dashboard um, to, on, that, on that data. And uh, Marcy also told us on the 18th, but it has since happened, that uh, Open House would present its Founders Award to former director Shereen McSpadden for all of her work. It was actually supposed to be presented in 2020, and we all know what happened. We had two site visits this month. Um, one was to the Castro Senior Center, and we're continuing to do the virtual plus the in-person, and we'll probably finalize, but it looks like that may be our wait in the future. Since virtual is the way people would access the data, I mean the information um, on what's available, so it really rounds out. So for example, um, on the first one um, at the Castro, the website was a bit disappointing. Um, but when the um, council member, Tia Small, got there, she was very pleased with what she saw. So one large room that's separated into uh, zones, great accessibility, warm and friendly, 
Um, they're still getting back to pre-COVID status, which is pretty much what we're seeing as we're able to do these. Um, hot sit-down meal, lots of vegetables and grains. Food is supplied by Project Open Hand. They get free bread from food runners, so that um, helps. There's a lot of separate activities. Um, only about 15% of their clients are online. Um, we found that also at Open, uh, Open House was a little better because it's on site. Uh, UCSF comes in periodically. They lost clients um, during the pandemic to skilled nursing placement and some other moves to, move to assisted living residents during the pandemic. She commented and um, another member in reporting on things that are going on in District 11 that that they're seeing out there as well is that isolation has caused some some challenges with previous clients. Um, Project Open House was the second at Laguna and Market. Um, Pia gave a very high uh, marks to the website as being consistent, lots of information. Smiling headshots of the contacts um, <coughs> who seem to enjoy their jobs. Again, only 15% access to technology. And the issue is um, uneven Wi-Fi access even if they have iPad being donated. The um, on-site, excellent accessibility, robust activities, lots of them, raised gardening beds, residential case management, collab collaboration with Mercy Housing, includes a, a day um, health, health center, and they restarted their meal, meal program. They have about 500 people on their waiting list for housing, and they use IHSS services to keep people in their apartments. Uh, but there are falls of risks, there are risk, risk of falls mm -hmm. once the IHSS workers leave, and that is concerning. Um, and then the impacts of COVID were mentioned. So I think we're going to see some of these same themes as we move through. We know we have at least one report for this month, so we're, we're getting back there. Um, Director uh, Dearman had a meeting, so we moved the agenda around, so when she was able to join us, she did. Um, and that resulted in a robust discussion of the pending issues at Laguna Honda. Mm -hmm. And one of our council members, who's a former nursing home administrator, is doing some research to offer some help and some insights because she's been, she's been through all of this and understands a lot of the CMS issues. Um, we had asked, trying to get some updates in those areas where we have district representation which continues to be problematic. Um, and so we had lots of updates on District 11, and I hope, Commissioner Spears, you got a lot of information. Yes, that I helps appreciate you out that. In that neighborhood. <laughs> um, and when you drive around, you know there's a lot of building going on. And then Margaret Graff noted from District 4, the 80 over 80 project from UCSF and Dr. Anna Chodas that was highlighted at last week's um, uh, DOS celebration. And just as a plug, um, Margaret is actually one of those 80 over 80. So are there any questions? Any questions from commissioners? Any comments? Commissioner Jung? Ms. Lawrence, um, remind me what happens after these site visits. For example, uh, what uh, was found at the Castro Center, uh, maybe this question needs to go back to staff, is uh, that they need to improve on, the, on their website. So who within, how do we follow up on that? Okay, so Tia, uh, the member, the council member will send the report uh, to Mike Zog, 
and he shares it with the analyst who's assigned to that site, okay. uh, and that's part of the overall evaluation. Our, our evaluations are, we're not there from DOS, we're there as consumers. Right. So we always try to take that lens, and if there are issues that we find, off, they'll, those will be raised, and then uh, Mike's team will work with the site a couple of years ago, there was heating missing at one of them. There, were, there was no, nobody knew how to use the heater. And by the, uh, within about six months, there was heat. Okay. So it's little things like, and then, we, and then they closed down. Thank you. So, yeah. I, I have a, a question. Sure. You mentioned about the technology access and, and um, consumers not having access. Is that um, because it's not available in the area? Is that because of cost or is that just, um, Equipment is, do we have any more details? All of the above. Okay. So some areas don't have access. Okay. So I know Senior and Disability Action are working on, with AT&T to get greater access. Okay. Um, some buildings are difficult to reconfigure. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's equipment, although there have been a lot of things donated over the course of the pandemic. And the SF Tech Council works very hard closely on that. Some of it is um, just familiarity and training. So there's, there's a myriad of things. Okay. And then I have one other question because I'm in District 11. Mm -hmm. um, the new housing that's going up um, at Geneva, right at the BART station? That's is, affordable, I think. That is that affordable housing? I believe so. I'll double check. Okay. Chris. But they do have a new site opening on Mission Street. Yes, that one, Hotel, yep, that one I have, I have seen. Yeah. Okay. And there's a new food center out there that Chris and I will be visiting. Okay, wonderful. Mm -hmm. I had a question, I'm not expecting you to have the answer, but if it came across, when it, you were saying 10, 15% of people are accessing things online, was it the sense that those were previous clients, or do That's, you know if it, it knew people? Like, did it, was there, did it lead to any increase in that? I believe new that's access? in their client base. Okay. That they can add, uh, but that may be a question we ask, mm -hmm. you know. Just and, curious. And do they ask their clients when any new people who come in? Yeah, if, if we've added any because of the new. But I know one of the comments that the council member made is that in, because she works with um, people to find placements, to to get help, uh, she said that having that robust to work si uh, website makes it easier for her to recommend that kind of a um, location, especially if she hasn't seen it. So it also helps um, those assisting families and mm -hmm. caregivers in, in finding resources. That would make sense. <laughs> that makes sense in terms of so that does have sort of almost mm -hmm. like a multiplier effect yeah. to it. Just yeah. improving that aspect yeah. of things. Oh, that's good to hear. Okay. Any other comments, questions? We wanted to move on to our legislative report. Commissioners, item 10 is the joint legislative report, also presented by the Advisory Council President, Diane Lawrence. Good morning again. Um, so the joint ledge met again on May 18th. Um, we didn't have a quorum, so we were un, um, unable to discuss pending bills, but we did discuss um, bills that where there had been changes. Uh, we couldn't approve minutes in the agenda, but we didn't waste the time either. Since a, legisla a legislative session is beginning to wind down, so uh, we're coming up in um, 
with that time deadline. Um, there were a number of bills sent to suspense, so we thought it would be helpful to list those for you. Um, it's thought that some of the bills may appear in later versions. They may, that language could be absorbed into a bill later on. Um, and many of these are bills that are part of the master plan and will need funding. And um, so um, a lot of them were sent to the uh, Appropriations Committee. Um, and there are some that are moving to the consent calendar, so those could be signed into law coming soon. And then we also discussed the May revise. Mm -hmm. And we'll meet again um, on June 15th. Any questions from commissioners? Comments? All right. Then I think thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Very much. Um, then we'll hear from uh, a case report presented by Dan Gallagher. Um, and Mr. Gallagher is joining us uh, remotely today. So welcome, Mr. Gallagher. Thank you, Commissioner. Good morning, Commissioners and Executive Director Dearman. I have a very short report this morning. Um, so our uh, case programming, our presentation for June uh, will be on creative, creativity rather, and aging with Carrie Rojensky of the Hummingbird Project and also Mark Campbell with Arts with elders. We were happy, Case was happy to be uh, participating in the celebration of Older Americans Month uh, with DOS on May 26th, last Thursday, and uh, our members presented on the Pandemic Pivot Project. And that was really a nice event. So congratulations to DOS for that. We continue to support the Dignity Fund Coalition budget proposal, the Keep Us Connected campaign, for $3.5 million a year for two years. And then finally, uh, the service provider working group had um, a quarterly meeting in conjunction with the Dignity Fund Coalition meeting on May 25th. And that concludes this really short report. All right, thank you very much, Mr. Gallagher. Any questions? Uh, from commissioners or comments on that? I just have one question. What is the Hummingbird Project? <laughs> Mr. Gallagher? Um, good question. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I personally, I, you know, I, I try to give you a better answer than that, but I don't have the better answer okay. than that. I'm with them to tell you the truth. Um, our, 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 um, our programming committee um, had um, develop this. So I'm, I'm just, I'm not that familiar with the hummingbird project. That's okay. I have hummingbirds in my backyard and I just thought it was something I should know about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can join the, you can join it. We'll then we'll both know more about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll wait till next month and hear more about the hummingbird project. Thank you. If that was it from commissioners, we'll move along um, to public comment. General public comment. Commissioners, item 12 is public comment, an opportunity for members of the public to address the commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Are there any members of the public that would like to address the commission today? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. 
Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Commissioners, your next item is item 13, old business. Commissioners, please indicate by raising your hand if there is any old business that you'd like to discuss. And seeing none, I'll hand it over to President Knudsen to call the next item. Okay, thank you so much. Commissioners, the next agenda item is item 14, new business. The first item is informational only. Items 14B and 14K are action items that will require a vote by the commission. The first item is 14A, the San Francisco Human Services Agency's 2022 through 2026 strategic plan presentation. Um, and Susie Smith, I can see and met previously, um, is here to present. Good morning, and I think, um, Robbie, you're gonna pull up the slides? Uh, they sent me the slides. I, the YouTube clip they sent me. Okay, okay. I just sent to Teresa. Let me see. Okay. I emailed her this morning. She did not send me the slides. Okay, so um, a little bit of miscommunication on our end. We're sorry. We'll um, be there in just a moment, but I can get started sort of with general backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, good morning. Commissioners and Director Dearman. My name is Susie Smith, and I am Deputy Director for Policy Planning and Public Affairs at the San Francisco Human Services Agency. And as mentioned, I'm here today to present the agency's strategic plan. Before I start, though, as you can imagine, strategic plans are the culmination of months-long projects and work. And this particular project has been a wonderful collaboration between our planning team led by Rose Johns, and our communications team, led by Teresa Young. So I just want to take a moment to thank the members of the team that put so much work into this product. Thea Hillman, Joe Malika, Maria Mejia, and Christian Claudio from our comms team, and then Christine Liu uh, from planning. But most of all, I want to thank Rose Johns and Teresa young because they put so much leadership and dedication into this plan, which I think you'll find is very accessible to the public and for the first time really presents the Human Services Agency as one agency with two core departments. So thank you, Rose and Teresa. This plan sets forth our goals and priorities for the next five years. Excellent. Thank you. Just how long the Thanks, now you can see the slides. It's our, as I mentioned, it's our first ever fully integrated framework across all of our many programs and departments. And in the wake of COVID-19, racial unrest, and economic upheaval over the last few years, we feel that our work is more important than ever. Next slide. The vision, so part of this, we rebranded um, in the last couple years. A wonderful time to rebrand and launch in a virtual environment. Um, but as, as you know, of course, this department has recently had a name change. Um, the, the other major department, the Department of, Family, of uh, Benefits and Family Supports, recently had a name change. And part of what we did in that process to really revisit our vision and our mission um, so I'm just going to briefly read the, mission, the vision and mission for you all. We envision a San Francisco where everyone has the opportunity 
and support to achieve their full potential. Our mission, we are committed to delivering essential services that support and protect people, families, and communities. We partner with many neighborhood organizations and we advocate for public policies to improve the well-being and economic opportunity for all San Franciscans. Next slide, please. Here you see, as just a reminder, HSA, as I mentioned, is comprised of two major departments that is supported by the same um, administrative infrastructure. So the communications, the policy and planning, the IT, HR, that's, that's all the HSA administrative structure. But the two major departments, of course, are Department of Disability and Aging Services, DAS, and Department of Benefits and Family Supports. And I think it's important to mention that even though we have these two departments, we serve families that are intertwined between the two departments, right? Older adults get access to CalFresh and Medi-Cal. We serve thousands of intergenerational households. Um, and so I, part of the point of our, our rebranding and this plan is to really show that we are moving towards a vision of, of no wrong door. Um, and we've done that in, in various ways within DOS and also within our other programming at BFS. Really, we're trying to emphasize that if you come to us for one thing, you can get access to a whole array of things. And families and older adults are not split up into departments. And so that's really the, the point of trying to present this one brand. So here you can, you can see a list of all of our program offerings. I'm not going to go through them all, but take a look. Next slide. And this just underscores uh, we're a large department. We have, you know, it's a billion dollar budget. We've got over 2,500 employees. Um, and importantly, we serve almost one in four San Franciscans, 250,000 people a year. And we have a relationship with almost every low income person that lives in this city. Um, DOS serves about 70,000 people a year. And um, we extend our reach into San Francisco's diverse communities through over 100 community partners, which you are quite familiar with because you review the grants every month and approve them. Shifting gears to, from who we are to who we serve. It's important to have a, a foundation understanding of San Francisco's changing demographics in order to understand where we're headed. So I'm gonna have a few slides to just kind of go over some key demographics um, focusing on the four populations that we serve. But first, let's look at who is actually in need in this city. Next slide, please. You would think that this is a relatively simple question, who needs our support? But it's actually not an easy question to answer. According to the one-size-fits-all federal measure used to qualify people for many of our support programs, only 9% of San Franciscans are considered, quote unquote, poor and in need of help. But by more accurate measures of need that take into effect real costs of living, regional costs of living, like housing, out-of-pocket medical expenses, childcare, we find that about 28% of our residents do not have enough money to get by in our high-cost city. And that's about 75,000 people. Next slide. 
People who identify as black, indigenous, and people of color, or BIPOC, are almost twice as likely to live in poverty as white San Franciscans. Not surprisingly then, over 80% of the people we, we, who report their ethnicity and we serve are from BIPOC communities. These profound racial inequities reflect historic and ongoing structural racism. Combating them is embedded not only in our programs and the resources that we provide our clients, but also in the way we deliver those services and with whom we partner in community. Next, I want to highlight some characteristics of the four core populations that we serve. Starting with families with children. While children are not a core part of the DOS demographic, as I mentioned, the department does serve hundreds of children each year through things like in-home supportive services, and we know that thousands of children are living in multi-generational households. Um, and so it's important to recognize this population as well. As you know, uh, San Francisco has never been home to many children. And that makes each family all the more precious and all the more urgent to try to keep them in the city. Yet we know the high cost of living is one of the biggest barriers that families face. Even families with one or more working adults even in families with one or more working adults have, uh, have struggled to make ends meet. About 20% of families with a working adult does not have enough money to make ends meet according to more accurate measures of poverty. This underscores the importance of our programs that can help alleviate some of the costs families face. Here we can't undervalue the impact of programs like CalFresh that reduce the family budget and the costs that people face in the supermarket, and we know, of course, with rising inflation, that's been one of the biggest areas that's hit, and CalFresh is a huge buffer to that. Echoing trends we just reviewed, the vast majority of children in poverty are from BIPOC communities. I also want to highlight our reach here. Each year, we serve about 50,000 children. That's almost half of San, Franciscans, San Francisco's children. This means we have meaningful opportunity to make meaningful change. Further, we should view our work with families as a reflection of our commitment to address racial inequities. Moving on to older adults. Of course, this is a key demographic that we serve across our agency, and DOS leads the charge for us here. But as I mentioned, it is important to note that thousands of older adults and people with disabilities are served by our economic support and self-sufficiency program as well. So it really is you know, cross-cutting. Older adults are one of the least visible populations in our city, and yet they constitute one in five city residents today, and by 2040, they will comprise one in four. They're the fastest growing age group in San Francisco. I know this is not news to this commission, but it's worth reiterating. And it's a population with tremendous diversity, also not unknown to this commission. The majority of San Francisco seniors are immigrants, and most speak a primary language other than English. It is that much more important and imperative that our services are multilingual and that we partner strategically to provide community-focused, culturally appropriate resources with, 
in areas where organizations where people have trust already. In your role as the DOS Commission, you are key players to ensure that we are accountable to this goal. Next slide, please. Adults with disabilities are another population that span all of our agency programs. We serve about 50,000 adults with disabilities each year. And even in progressive places like San Francisco, San Franciscans with disabilities encounter stereotype, stigma, and discrimination. These barriers impede their access, to, their access to resources and opportunity. Due to historic and ongoing systemic racism, we see disproportionate experience of disability. About one in four black African-American adults in San Francisco report a disability, about one in four. Finally, next slide, I want to highlight our commitment to serving adults with low income. About 38,000 single adults in San Francisco live in poverty. And that's income under $14,000 a year. Imagine getting by in this city on $14,000 a year. According to more holistic estimates, a single adult actually needs to make about $60,000 a year to cover their basic expenses. That would be equivalent to 72 hours a week in a minimum wage job. Someone needs to work 72 hours in a minimum wage job in order to cover their basics as a single adult in the city. Through our programs, we strive to help job seekers find good paying jobs. We're proud to say that at least 60% of, of the job seekers with whom we work remain employed two or more years later. And this work is more important than ever. During the pandemic, our local unemployment rate peaked at 14%. And while, of course, the economy is recovering, we know that low-wage workers, particularly those in hospitality, were hit hardest and continue to struggle. With that background, I'm excited to finally share our strategic direction over the next five years. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Where are we? Next slide, please. Okay. Da -dun, da -dun. This planning process had been guided by five overarching strategic goals. One, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. Two, strong workforce and collaboration. Three, employment and economic security four, health and well-being, and finally, but importantly, safety and care. We have only a short time on this presentation today, so I'm not going to go through all of this, don't worry, in detail. But what I'm going to do is highlight a couple of the goals and key strategies, and then I'm going to provide some examples that really bring the work to life so you can get a feel for what does that actually mean. We're proud of this work and about the next five years ahead of us. Next slide. Our first goal is about equity, inclusion, and accessibility. With this goal, we, try, we strive to ensure that everyone has equitable access and outcomes, no matter race, ethnicity, 
ability, gender identity, sexual orientation, immigration status, or wherever they live in the city. All of our programs and services and systems should provide equal access, and we should and we and we should and do look at outcomes by race, ethnicity, gender, et cetera, to try to uncover where are their discrepancies. And when we find them, we, we pilot and dig deeper to try to see how we can address those discrepancies. With equity, inclusion, and accessibility is a goal in and of itself. I think it's important to note that this is something that's woven into everything we do. As I mentioned, it, it's how we partner with community, it's how we provide our services, it's how we translate our services, it's really woven into the sort of the core fa fabric of delivering services in the city. So we look at this as an opportunity to uplift communities and redress past and present inequities in policies and services delivered to the public, both here in San Francisco and nationally. Some of the ways that we do this, most fundamentally, of course, it's through our actual services themselves. We also have a strong voice in policy advocacy. We're part of C4A, we're part of other associations that advocate to reduce poverty and health inequities. We invest in unique initiatives, like our social inclusion initiative, that welcomes all community members in the city's social and civic life. You may have heard about something called Museums for All. Through this program, HSA clients can show their Medi-Cal or their EBT card to obtain free or reduced price access to the city's cultural institutions. To date, over 2,000 HSA clients who otherwise may not have been able to afford it have been able to visit museums and institutes across the city, like the Asian Art Museum and the Academy of Sciences. The Academy of Sciences for an adult and, and two kids is, is $70 to get into. Like, so it's really these, these riches that we have in our city that make us unique and that we're also proud of, they're inaccessible to low-income folks. And so using our data to be able to help folks access by saying, okay, we know we have a touch point for so many from nearly every low-income San Francisco, and then using that to text people about an opportunity, make partnerships with the museums, and create opportunities for them to access things like our cultural riches as part of our social inclusion initiative. Across our agency divisions, we are also advancing equity, inclusion, and accessibility by pursuing data-informed and culturally appropriate community engagement strategies that encourage participation in our services. Another strategy is taking a holistic approach to connecting people and families to a variety of programs and services to meet their unique circumstances. So that's part of what I was talking about before. We're trying to look at pe people and communities in their entirety and to not segment. And that, and that we're able to provide the resources, what specific resources, when they need them, and where they need them. Our work at the DOS Benefits and Resource Hub really exemplifies this particular strategy. Each year, DOS intake social workers manage over 30,000 calls for information about resources for older adults, people with disabilities, and caregivers. They ask questions to get a full picture of a person's situation so that they can connect people to as many helpful services as possible. Someone, for example, might reach out asking for information about paratransit 
but then they end up getting help to also apply for in-home support services and home-delivered meals to better meet their needs at home. So our social workers ask a variety of holistic questions to really figure out what, what are the needs and what are the services available and how can we make that warm connection so that people actually are not just referred, but they enroll in those services. They also work side by side with our county veteran service office and DOS eligibility teams to further improve handoffs between programs when clients come to our two golf location and need help from multiple programs. Next slide. Importantly, our second goal is focused on our staff, teams, and partners, without whom we could not do any of our work. We want to cultivate a strong workforce and collaboration, both internally and externally. Our focus here is to ensure our staff and community partners feel supported, valued, heard, and connected not only to one another, but to our larger common mission. Over the next five years, we'll be working to ensure that staff at all levels represent the diverse communities we serve. Staff of all backgrounds deserve equitable opportunities for growth and advancement. We are continuing efforts to train staff so that they can provide the highest quality services to our clients. And thinking outside of our agency, we will sustain partnerships with community organizations to collaboratively develop and provide culturally appropriate services. We will also prioritize interagency partnerships and research that advances more systemic level change. As an example of our efforts here is the great, great work being led by our Office of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging, which Director Dearman has highlighted for you in the past. This team, led by Asa King, is working closely with our HR colleagues and program directors and managers across the agency to improve our practices, particularly around hiring, recruitment, and retention. For example, we've implemented new hiring practices that actively recruit from the community. We now post all of our job openings on 28 job boards and an additional 39 diversity job boards. In this year alone, we've participated in seven career fairs attended by over 1,500 job seekers. So it might seem obvious to recruit from community, but we really haven't had such an active, aggressive recruitment strategy where we're making sure that all of our CBO partners have our job announcements that we're getting out in community and making sure that they see sort of the face of who we are so that we can better recruit people that are from the community and bring the, and bring the lived experiences that make a difference in providing appropriate services. We also now require interview panels that meet racial diversity standards to ensure colleagues from a variety of backgrounds and experiences are bringing their unique perspectives to assess candidates. We include a racial equity question on all of our interviews so that we are sure to be bringing in staff who share this commitment to racial equity. Our third goal, next slide. We're almost done, hang in there. Our third goal is focused on employment and economic security. In this area, we are working to advance our vision that everyone has a stable source of income and an opportunity to increase their economic well-being, whether that's through work or through additional benefits. 
a leading strategy for us in this area is our workforce programs, which help people enter and advance in the workforce. In particular, we're trying to support groups that have been historically left out or those who are underemployed. As the Commission knows, we achieve real and meaningful impact each year through our ReServe program. Through this program, DAS partners with community organizations to offer job readiness training and wage subsidies to help older adults and people with disabilities. The wage subsidies are really important because it enables people to get in the door that may not otherwise be considered. And so that's, that's an innovation that we really spearheaded here in San Francisco and are known for nationally is to provide wage subsidies, whether it's to nonprofits, public sector, or, or the private sector, to help people get in the door. ReServe provides specialized resources to help these groups get back into the workforce in positions that are meaningful and that are suitable for their skills and their abilities. We know that some San Franciscans aren't able to participate in the workforce. This goal captures the important work done by the County Veterans Service Office, the DOS legal services providers, and other programs that help people receive all of the financial assistance available to them. And that's a really important goal as well that we're focused on and have built up our communications capacity around is to make sure that people who are eligible really know about our services and that we are intentional about understanding the barriers and all of the, the DOS listening sessions and the BIPOC listening sessions um, through the um, that you have recently spearheaded, it enables us to understand like, what are the unique barriers and what are the messages that might resonate with community so that we can tailor them, that we can increase accessibility so that everyone gets all of the services that they're eligible for. This goal also includes our advocacy efforts and pilot projects to develop innovative strategies outside of mainstream public benefit programs. We'll soon be launching a pilot in this area to partner with immigrant-led organizations, particularly Chinese, in the Chinese community and in the Latinx community, to help them enroll in benefits. We saw through the Trump error and um, some, public some public charge and other policies that people stopped participating. In, it, in some extent, about 15% of CalFresh households who had, um, who had non among non-citizen households had declined enrollment. And we tracked that and were sort of part of the national efforts and lawsuits to um, combat the public charge. Now we're partnering, we're trying to rebuild that trust in community. And so we're gonna do a three-year pilot to, with immigrant serving organizations to understand what are the fears around enrolling in services and ha have them co-design and develop and test messages and strategies that can help increase enrollment and break down some of that fear. Finally, our fourth goal is health and well-being. Next slide, please. We want everyone in San Francisco to have the food, shelter, health care, supportive services, and community connection, importantly, and the community connection to thrive. This goal reflects so much of what we do for Medi-Cal, CalFresh, and so many of the community-based services we help fund to fill in the gaps. These types of services are essential to holistically supporting wellness. Over the next five years, one specific strategy we'll continue to work on is facilitating access to Medi-Cal, behavioral health services, and other programs that support not just physical health, but mental health. 
And I know we all recognize with the pandemic and such a focus on physical health that mental health is equally important. And um, Commissioner Spears knows about a particular study we did in, a nursing, in, in the nursing homes in San Francisco to understand some of the mental health stress um, and increased levels of suicidality and depression and anxiety. And so we're really trying to think about how do we connect people to not only physical health services, but mental health services. We will also continue to help people live safely and stably in the community through linkages to home care and housing supportive services. We're excited about the expansion of Medi-Cal to undocumented residents age 50 and older, which is, just went into effect as of May 1st. And we've been partnering across our agency and with CBOs to make sure that people know about that and automatically transitioning people if they're on uh, one kind of Medi-Cal to full scope Medi-Cal, which they're newly eligible. So I think that's another area we're partnering with the health plan um, to be able to identify folks who are not on any health plan and be able to enroll them in Medi-Cal. Another exciting pilot is our in-home supportive services programs, innovative collaborative care support team. Through this pilot, we are leveraging lessons learned in the pandemic about how to better collaborate with the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing to make it easier for people to enroll in IHSS. This pilot helps formerly homeless residents in permanent supportive housing get the home care they need, and also it makes it easier for our staff to communicate and work with other systems of care by concentrating IHSS workers in certain buildings. Next slide. Our fifth and final goal is safety and care. As an agency, we take seriously our role in addressing abuse, neglect, and exploitation. We want everyone to be safe, stable, and connected in all stages of their life. Our strategic plan articulates our commitment to ensure the dignity and maximizing the independence of these groups who face heightened risk of abuse, neglect, and financial exploitation. As DAS staff know, we offer a continuum of support through programs like APS, the Public Conservator, Public Guardian, Rep Payee programs. We even support dignity after death through our dedicated public administrator team. One example of the change we can achieve is through the collaborative initiatives we help lead locally and statewide to address scams and financial exploitation. We regularly partner with community-based organizations, the local DA, and the San Francisco Department, and statewide agencies to raise awareness of scams designed to target specific populations like older adults and veterans. And we work closely with these partners to address specific instances of abuse. And I'll tell a personal story on, on this front. My mom was a victim of financial abuse, and she lives in New Jersey. And I talked to my colleagues here at DOS, and I'm asking for advice and how to help her. And they're like, well, call your local APS. I called the local APS, and they said, we don't do financial abuse. It's not the same everywhere. The kinds of holistic services and the partnerships we develop with the DA with the police to be able to identify things like financial abuse and help people. It really is unique in San Francisco. As you can see, we have a lot of meaningful work ahead of us. Our last slide, please. We know 
that with the continued dedication of our staff, community partners, and of course with you, the commission, we can move San Francisco towards a place where everyone really does have the resources and support they need to thrive. We hope that this report, which will be, which is shared, will be shared with the public, our partners, and other city stakeholders, shed light on that work. It's only 12 pages. We worked really hard. Kelly, we got it shorter. She wanted it shorter and shorter. We got it to 12 pages. There's lots of visuals. There's infographics. We really did want to make this accessible in a way that really we haven't, our, our work has not been in the past. And so we hope you take a minute to, to read it, skim it. Um, and I wanted to thank you for your time today. Happy to answer any questions. And then we're going to show a very short video um, that sort of launches the plan. Does anyone have any questions? I know that was a ton yeah. of information thrown at you. Let's take a, a few minutes for questions or comments by commissioners. Want me to start? Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner John. Okay. Um, I just want to just want to commend you and the staff for the excellent work uh, we're putting together this strategic plan. Uh, to share on a personal level, I'm a retired human services agency. Uh, employee and t 10 years ago. And it's just really uh, heartwarming and reassuring that um, the work continues and that there's um, such um, excellent uh, staff that basically are focusing on uh, addressing the needs of San Francisco and to clearly identify uh, our current population, our current needs, and um, give it the big picture as to um, how we're going to do all of this in the next four to six years. Um, I was really impressed by um, just the format of this digital plan, very well laid out. Um, I was also um, very moved by the different words that were used. Um, and they were not empty words. I, you know, you can tell there's a lot of passion behind the words. Um, and I, I, I just think it's just really excellent. Um, and I think uh, doing this type of strategic plan is, is, is um, really important because uh, I recognize that on a daily day basis uh, for uh, staff, you know, when you kind of get uh, buried under <laughs> the trees in the forest, you kind of forget uh, how important the work is and that uh, however difficult it is that there is indeed a goal and a light um, at the end of the tunnel and that uh, the, the work is um, well appreciated, well need. And just the research and, the, and um, the very careful planning that goes behind all that, it's so important. So I, I just want to say it's, it's really excellent, excellent work that's being done. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Commissioner Zhang. I, I appreciate bringing in the staff perspective because I think too often we tend to focus on the community and the clients, and nothing happens without staff, and nothing happens without our CBO partners. Right. And I think having that as a goal around supporting staff and our workforce um, was, you know, obviously a very intentional decision. And the next part of sort of rolling out this plan is to roll it out with our the city stakeholders and our CBO partners, but it's also to roll it out to staff. We did an all um, staff town hall last week to roll it out. But what I'm really excited about is trying to think about ways that we can get staff to see themselves in the work, to sort of initiate conversation, to share the plan in smaller groups and ask, like, how do you contribute to this? Like, what's your role? Whether it's an administrative role and getting 
you know, the contracts through, thank you, SBN team, you know, the budget, or whether it is direct service, you know, staff on the front line. Everyone, not, this work doesn't happen without all of that partnership. And so trying to get them to sort of have conversations and um, connect to it in a, in, a, in a larger way, I think, is exciting. Okay, any other uh, commissioner comment? Yeah, um, I'll, uh, everything was said by Commissioner Young, and I just want to highlight one piece that is, um, that you mentioned within the port, uh, within the um, strategic plan. And this is, um, I think the opportunity to make available museums for all um, within the wonderful city in which we live, it is one thing that keeps me in San Francisco is the access that we have and to know that that's going to be available um, free of charge to those who might not have the means. I think that is a real step forward so everyone can participate in the, the, the deep um, uh, capabilities that we have here in the city to learn and grow and educate yourself about the changes and everything that happens. So, um, you, Commissioner Jung, uh, I double down on everything that you said, and I really appreciate the museum piece, um, just as a lover of the arts. So, and I don't, and I and I think it's important not to underscore the fact all you need is a Medi-Cal card. Yeah. And we have you know 185,000 Medi-Cal clients that now can get access to these museums, you know, free of, free of charge or reduced price, and that you know it's, it it is it's exciting to be able to try to connect otherwise, you know, disconnected folks to those resources. And I, I have to mention Dan Kelly and his leadership um, in, in making that happen, our former planning director. Well, I just want to say thank you so much, uh, both Susie Smith and Rose Johns. I know you played a, a, and you appear regularly <laughs> to us, so thank you for your role as well. Um, I, I can't tell you how I know the kind of work that goes into simplifying something and making it into 12 slides or whatever you did. But I just want to say the way that you conveyed this report today shows the passion behind, <laughs> behind all that. I mean, we always try to make it so that you can explain something to people in a way that is universal. And, uh, and, and someone asks you a question, you need the elevator speech to, <laughs> to say, this is what we do. And, that, and you accomplish that. So I say that's a huge thing around making this happen. It's that if by synthesizing it, by, by explaining it in the way you do it, and all the work that went into that, it's going to help us all convey that message. So uh, uh, don't underestimate what, what you did here. And then I think today uh, we all just really, it, how you presented it shows the passion of the staff. And, and what is going on here. And if I needed a way of explaining what are San Francisco values and how do we try to solve these problems that seems so impossible, I'd probably pull up a couple of these slides to say, well, here's how you approach it, here's what we're doing. And um, you know, just in this context we're all living in, uh, just keep on doing it. <laughs> you know, I'm really proud of that. We don't. We, there's such a, a negative feeling in our country today around that, oh, all of these things are just unsolvable. And it's like you break it down, you just move it forward. And uh, that's what this whole report sort of felt like today for us. So uh, thank you. And it's, it's partly us, so I'm saying well, we're it's embracing everyone, it. Right, it's yeah, everyone. Definitely. But, uh, but thank you for this is an accomplishment. So 
Well, right. we, ha we had some fun debates over, over words over the last yes. several months. Me yes. and Rose and Thea and Teresa, we definitely, yeah, because yeah, we really wanted to make it meaningful for people, right? Like mm -hmm. we all talk in our acronyms and we know our programs mm -hmm. and like that's not what the general public knows. And mm -hmm. so um, it's been a fun project. Rose is um, birthing a baby in addition to this report <laughs> over the last several months, but now she can have her baby because <laughs> she's birthed this report. <laughs> will come out spouting all of this, right? <laughs> <laughs> Equity. Just make sure your baby's first word. All right. Did you have a question, yes. Michelle? Yeah, having uh, written lesson plans, spending hours and hours doing that, I can, I can certainly appreciate and understand the amount of work that you have put forth into, into developing this uh, strategic plan. Um, it, it is something that, that's uh, uh, well-prepared, covers just about every, uh, everything that we need to, we need to learn, and uh, we look forward to working with you in order to implement this, the, 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 this, uh, this, this plan. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Um, I just want to say, for me, um, it's so exciting because I've been here a year, and to be able to um, really get this bird's eye view of everything that we're doing um, across the agency has been really helpful for me to see, um, oh, this, this, these are all the things we do. And um, just a reminder of how uh, fortunate we are to work with such an amazing staff who really, um, they really uh, believe um, in the goals of the agency and believe in the work that they're doing and know that they are making a difference, every, you know, every day. It is, it is truly my honor to be able to, um, to work with you all and see um, what great strides you're making in what I agree with you, um, President Knudsen, and what is otherwise, you know, an upsetting time. We are making true strides. So thank you so much for this, and um, I just look forward to continuing to share it with everyone. And it's really a salute to all of us because this is what all of us are doing to move it forward. Yeah, I mean, in our in the surveys that we do every few years of all staff, the one thing that resonates and comes out strongly is people's commission to the work and the mission. So, I mean, we're a bureaucracy, and you're gonna, you know, there's gonna be lots of things you don't like about it, and you know, contracting is hard, and you know, hiring is hard, and there's you know, management and union and all those issues. But people believe in the work, and that's why they come here, and that's why they stay here. And so we're trying to really you know, capture that feeling and build off of it. So uh, I think that's actually. Oh, yeah. Commissioner Sklar? Yes. I, I, I don't want to take up any more time, but I just want to support and honor everything that has just been said. It's really amazing having worked in the field 40 years ago and to see where we are today. It's almost like 1984, the book. It's just so exciting that so many issues that were just a stone wall are being resolved and you know in, in an intelligent way so just thank you to everybody for all the terrific work thank you yeah, i know we don't vote on this but we do ask for public comment so let's give that opportunity and then we'll should we play the video first or would you Shh. what do you care should we, so we have a short video I'm oh the video i'm sorry yeah sure yeah, yeah we can yeah. do it either way okay um, so the video actually uh, features our staff. 
So that'll, that'll, it's a great segue. Okay. And thank you for, I know this was, you know, maybe not as short as we all thought it might have been, but thank you for, uh, for listening and for such great um, collaborative feedback. We appreciate it. I think we had this problem before. I think the WebEx can't play the audio from the YouTube. We can send it out. Okay, we'll send it out. WebEx just said, yeah, that it will play the sound. Okay. Unfortunately. Okay. okay. All right. So we can send it out. Okay. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, are there any members of the public that would like to comment on the San Francisco Human Services AG, Agency 2022 to 2026 strategic plan presentation? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on the on the community uh, the agenda item 14A. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. All right, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Uh, commissioners, items 14B and for, through 14K are action items that do require a vote by the commission. Item 14B is requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with Curry Senior Center for the provision of technology and connections at home services during the period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $2 million plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $2,200,000. And uh, Fanny Lapitan will be presenting this item. Welcome, Ms. Lapitan. Good morning. Good morning, Commissioners and Executive Director Dearman. Um, I'm Fanny Lapitan, Program Manager for the Office of Community Partnerships. Thank you for your time today. Um, the item before you is a request to approve a new grant agreement with Curry Senior Center to deliver a community-based program for older adults and adults with disabilities um, that provides, oh, sorry, provides access to technology devices, uh, technology training, and health coaching. Uh, this program called Technology and Connections at Home, or uh, Tech at Home for short, uh, will enable consumers to acquire skills and um, information that are beneficial to their health and well-being. The department allocated funding for this program as a result of findings from the Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment um, back in 2018, um, and now results from the DFCNA that was conducted this year also show that a need for this type of program continues. This is a program that blends um, technology, health, and socialization to meet the needs of seniors and adults with disabilities who have limited or no access to technology and um, those who are um, already socially isolated or at heightened risk for um, social isolation. Curry Senior Center has been providing um, this service uh, since 2014 through its um, Senior Vitality Program. Um, and they have a wealth of experience in deploying devices to those in need um, and creating training materials uh, tailored for our target population. Their language capacity includes English, Spanish, Russian, um, Chinese, and Vietnamese. 
So the program uh, uh, provides uh, a number of things. Uh, first is technology device and internet connectivity. Um, Curry Senior Center will secure tablet computers or uh, iPads um, and other devices like Fitbits and digital scales uh, for issuance on a long-term basis to participants enrolled in the program. Participants must successfully comply with program's policy for uh, device issuance, um, including active participation in the program. For those who don't have internet access, Curry will ensure that those participants have access to reliable and affordable internet connections through um, low-income internet access programs like Comcast Internet um, Essentials or AT&T's access program uh, during the participants' enrollment term. Curry will arrange and subsidize home internet access uh, for participants as long as they are enrolled and actively participating in the program. Um, Curry also will provide technical support to the participants to troubleshoot and help resolve um, technical issues related to the, the uh, devices and software applications. Um, that includes maintenance and updates of the software, operating system, peripherals, and others. Um, then Curry will also provide consumer training to all enrolled participants that's um, intended to support their self-sufficiency in using technology. Um, to increase opportunities for social engagement, reduce social isolation, and to really strengthen their ability to manage their health through the use of technology. The training will include a defined curriculum that instructs participants on the capabilities of the devices, um, any applications made available through the devices, and um, instruction on how to use uh, the devices and its applications. Um, it will also include curriculum that exposes participants to software applications and resources on the internet that can have a positive impact on uh, reducing isolation, encouraging social engagement, and uh, really supporting self-management of health. Some of the topics um, that, in, that are included in the, in the trainings are uh, like iPad basics, internet overview, how to use um, the Fitbit and scale, um, how to use email apps, iMessage, FaceTime, Zoom, um, health and fitness apps, and, and many others. The training uh, will be provided through weekly group classes for a 12-month enrollment term, uh, requiring participants to attend at least one class a month. One-on-one -on -one tutoring is also available in person by appointment uh, through remote phone base or video base um, video calls, call sessions. Um, then there's health coaching. Um, Curry will offer health coaching to individuals enrolled in the program. Um, health coaching is one-on-one -on -one support and education about behaviors that promote wellness and uh, may include topics on how to use technology to help manage one's health uh, or how to use the internet to access reliable sources of health information um, and other strategies that can be developed and implemented to improve health. Um, health, coaching, health coaching sessions will be in person, over the phone, or virtually, and uh, will be conducted by a health educator who is certified or has a degree in a health-related field. Um, finally, well, a couple more things. Outreach, Curry will be doing um, program outreach to the target population. This will include activities like um, disseminating outreach materials at community meetings or other um, group settings. 
um, at special events or fairs. Um, they'll be sharing announcement to other community partners using bulletins and other mass media platforms. Um, and then finally, there is an evaluation piece to this program um, to measure the impact on the per participant's quality of life as it pertains to um, social isolation and self-management of health. Curry will administer um, quantitative assessment tools to participants at the start of the program or their enrollment and also at the end of their enrollment to show um, you know, the positive effect of the program in um, supporting their well-being and independence um, and also mitigating the digital divide. Um, at this time, I'm open to any question the commissioners may have about the Tech at Home program. Thank Great. you. Um, do we have any comments or questions from commissioners? I don't think Ms. Labaton had been so comprehensive and thorough. Yeah. I have not a question. <laughs> I think you, you did. It was an excellent description of what is really a model program. Yes. So th thank you for the level of detail because it, it helps us to understand. Um, so if there aren't any qu comments or questions from the commission, can, is there anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item 14B? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on the review and approval of the of the for, uh, agenda item 14B? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item 14B. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Uh, is there a motion from commissioners to approve item B? So moved. I think I heard Vice President Spears first, and then I heard the second from Commissioner Jung. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can we please take a roll call vote to approve item B? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. That's a unanimous vote. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item C and does require a vote by the commission. It's review and approval of the fiscal year 22-23 California Department of Aging CDA area plan budget and associated contract AP 2223-06 and all subsequent amendments. And Genevieve Herrera will be presenting the item. Welcome. Good morning. My name is Genevieve. I'm a budget analyst at the Human Services Agency. I am new to you. I support um, DOS in particular on the community services side. So it's a pleasure to be here today. Um, this item concerns the fiscal year 2022-2023 um, area plan allocation for the state, uh, for the city and county of San Francisco. Um, this year's allocation is uh, $7.6 million. This is the base allocation at this point. Um, the area plan budget funds uh, programs under the Older Americans Act. The Older Americans Act um, provides for um, programs including supportive services, so legal assistance, transportation, um, nutrition services, a lot of the congregate and home delivered meal programs. Um, there are, there's funding for evidence-based disease prevention and health promotion, and um, there's also funding for uh, family caregiver support. 
Um, these are federal and state funds. Um, this year's base allocation represents a $545,000 increase over last year's corrected base allocation. You may recall that last year um, there was a miscalculation initially in the way that the California Department of Aging determined what San Francisco would receive as its base and that was corrected and so the materials before you today do the comparison with the correction. Um, in particular, it, uh, amongst that $545,000 increase, um, we see a $751,000 increase for uh, home delivered meals. Um, the $545,000 increase um, does offset um, uh, reductions throughout um, other program um, areas um, and uh, DOS staff do not anticipate any changes in program delivery or program services because of these uh, modifications. Um, we are, staff is requesting your approval of um, this item today. This is um, your approval as part of the uh, contracting requirements that the California Department of um, Aging requires for us to receive all of these funds. I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. Okay, Th thank you so much. And we did have a chance to review the rather extensive uh, materials <laughs> that were included in our packet. Do we have any comments or questions from commissioners at this time? Any item? Then should we go ahead and uh, ask for public comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item C? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item C. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item C from commissioners? So moved. I heard uh, from moved by uh, Commissioner Sklar and a second from Commissioner Jung. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take the roll call to approve item C? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. It's a unanimous vote. Okay, great. Well, thank, thank you very much for all the work that went into that, all the paperwork involved. And I think we're, I feel like we're just turning around and spending all that money now, although I know that's not quite accurate. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item D and requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with the Golden Gate Senior Services for the provision of home delivered grocery services during the period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2024 in the additional amount of $177,844 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total grant amount not to exceed $1,125,659. And Tiffany Kearney is here to present this item. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, Commissioners, President Knudsen and Executive Director Dearman. 
My name is Tiffany Kearney. I am the lead nutritionist for DOS, and we are seeking the Commission's approval this morning to amend a grant agreement with Golden Gate Senior Services for home-delivered grocery services. When we first brought this grant to the Commission for approval, we were able to include additional funding in the first year of the grant from a one-time only allocation in the mayor's 21-22 budget that addressed food insecurity and uh, the need for more nutrition support in the community. The pandemic, oh goodness, the pandemic has made food and nutrition insecurity much more visible. It is a serious concern for older adults and adults with disabilities that has intensified. The need for nutrition support in the community for our consumers remains elevated and we do not anticipate the demand for uh, the demand to decrease in the next couple of years. So to ensure Golden Gate Senior Services can deliver uh, groceries to the same number of clients for the next two fiscal years, we are adding $89,000 in fiscal year 22-23 and in fiscal year 23-24. The added funding will support the delivery of 3,300 more bags of supplemental groceries each year. Golden Gate Senior Services will also be able to serve 73 more clients, provide more hours of supportive services, and conduct more outreach. DOS conducts um, annual program monitoring for all nutrition grants. Last year, Golden Gate Senior Services met and in some cases exceeded the service and outcome objectives for the grant. Thank you, and I'd be happy to answer any questions you might have at this time. Okay, any questions from uh, comments or questions from commissioners? I just have a... Uh, Commissioner John, yes. First, I just want to thank you for being very clear as far as how the um, increased funding will be utilized. I just have a minor question. I noticed this is for two years for the modification, and it, and it doesn't cover the very last year. Is it because it's kind of you just want to see what's going to be going on? Yeah, two I years would. And then decide if you need to do something different that last year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think um, we were able to um, add this funding right now because we had some savings in the Dignity Fund from, you know, just as the year goes on, you know, we realize that we'll have a little bit of funding um, that's saving. So we were able to use that to supplement this grant now. Um, and yeah, and I think also we want to kind of see how the next two years progress. I mean, most likely, you know, they're I, I don't think the need's going to decrease, but I mean, this is what we have right now to um, to work with. Okay, great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Anybody else comments or questions from commissioners on this item? Then should we uh, ask for public comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item D? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item D. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank then hearing no further requests to speak on that item, I will close public comment. Is there a motion from the commissioners to approve item D? 
So uh, from Commissioner Lum has moved a second. Second. From Vice President Spears. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take the roll to approve item D? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. We have a unanimous vote. Um, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item E and also requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting approval of a sole source waiver and authorization to enter into a new sole source contract with RTZ Associates, Inc. for the provision of get care for the period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2026 in the amount of $2,045,984 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $2,250,582. And Mr. Michael Zog will be presenting the item. Welcome. Good morning, commissioners. Good morning, Executive Director Dearman. Uh, the item before you today is a new contract with RTZ Associates who are actually a current contractor providing us with the get care database system. Um, just thinking, big picture, we have a lot of wide-ranging data needs uh, that we need to track. And this starts with a basic collection of our service uh, utilization levels by client and program type. Um, we use that data to better track who we're serving, um, performance levels, the need out there, um, where people are, are, are receiving services, and, and in the inverse, where we're not reaching people. Um, I think a lot of that data ends up, um, is used in our decision making and our assessment and other reports in things like the area plan and the community needs assessment, which have, have just recently come before the commission for review. Kind of at that next level, um, things get complicated, more complicated from there. We need this um, information for um, a variety of uh, fiscal and budgetary reporting requirements as well as meeting reporting requirements in exchange for the local, state, and federal dollars that we receive. Um, we further customize our database um, to kind of improve um, uh, the services that we're able to render through it. Um, this includes things like developing of our home delivered meals waitlist system and our case management waitlist system, which reaches across community-based organizations into DOS to allow for client referrals to come in in an orderly manner and be selected out um, in order to most effectively connect people to services that they are in need of. Um, we also work on developing out special modules um, within certain program types. So this might mean like within our nutrition programs, each client goes through a nutritional um, security, uh, uh, nutrition risk and nutrition security screening. Um, in our case management system, for our case management clients, we have a special module built out that allows a comprehensive script so that we can develop a, a, uh, a comprehensive picture of the, the client's abilities um, and their needs um, in focusing their care. Um, this database system I'm referring to uh, currently has over 275,000 uh, unique client records in it. Um, we have over 350 uh, user accounts for this database system, and that includes both the Office of Community Partnership staff, our DOS uh, Benefits and Resource Hub staff, as well as our um, community-based organizations out in the community. So this uh, system as it is, is able to help us uh, track and, and take care of all these different tasks. Um, I can tell you that the, the current system uh, meets HIPAA requirements. Um, it is also a web-based service hosted by Amazon Web Services Government Cloud, which 
comes with lots of security and other current uh, contemporary uh, safety and security needs. Um, I, I can repeat that information, but I can also tell you that we work closely with our HSA IT department who has the expertise um, to kind of look at these things and work with us and provide guidance as we um, set up and work with um, uh, uh, database systems like this. Um, I think that is the end of my comments. With that, I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions that the commission might have on this item. Questions from commissioners on this? Yeah, I just have one a general comment. Do all of the AAAs um, in California use the Get Care system, or is this unique to um, San Francisco and our AAA? Um, many do. It's um, not a requirement by the state, because I was seeing the linkage to the state yeah. funding, and so I was just curious if that was actually yeah, all the so AAAs. The state itself has a contract with um, RTZ for a development of a special module that um, takes care of collection of reporting and mm -hmm. reporting up to the federal government. Um, we are able to, one advantage of us having it at the local level is a, a, an easier process for right. that. There is, um, I don't have the stats, there is quite a few, if not half of the AAAs in the state have a relationship with RTZ for database systems. There are other database systems that are out there, but then they have to be set up in such a way that they can interact um, okay. with that at the state level. Yeah. I, I, we're working in my day job working with the state on the master plan for aging and that whole, um, I'll call it transformation of AAAs. So I'm just trying to get a better understanding of, of Yeah, that. And, and I don't know if you've come across the CHARM project, uh, but there is a work group at the state level which we are participating in to try to rethink all of that as well, okay. which we could connect about it. All right, thank you so much. I, I just had two questions. Um, I know we collect SOGI data. <laughs> yes. Does it, it, I don't believe, it doesn't get collected through this system. Is it a separate system or is it this system that, that collects? Uh, we do collect it through this system. Okay. Um, and there are actually a couple outlier programs that are not in Get Care and they report in through a, through a different system. But for the most part, is through CA Get Care, yeah. So it is through that. So have 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 strides been made in terms of uh, working with that vendor to improve the collection of SOGI data? Like, and I'm all also intrigued by the fact that this is sort of the, the big software case management program. It's used by many yeah, agencies you know, across the state. So I'm intrigued by whether or not that's a, a well. A I think way that begin to collect that data. Yeah, I mean, I think that their role essentially started with, with RTZ's role was essentially just put those questions in there. Mm -hmm. um, it has been incumbent on, on DOS to work with our providers to provide the training and support mm -hmm. and the sort of compliance monitoring to ensure that providers are understanding of the importance of those questions, comfortable asking those questions, and then asking them and getting that, that data into the system. But the, and then they play a role in terms of the reports we get from. Correct. Yeah, it's would do that. perhaps yeah. a more objective. Is it there or is it not there? We're able to, in working with their system, we're able to understand, you know, how much, what we might be, you know, understand the gap and what's missing in the system mm -hmm. and things like that. And second, completely unrelated, is I know we're excited about our online data uh, base system. This would be more robust, things like that. Is there going to be an interplay between <laughs> this get care system collecting all this data and information that will be brought into that online database system or 
Yeah, can, can I think the answer is a yes and to be there? determined kind of mix. Um, we are we are figuring that out. Um, our our relationship with the Get Care system has been in place for quite a while. The the resource directory is just getting up and it's brand new. The two are aware of one another, um, and we're gonna we're kind of working through how they are going to um, interact. Together. Yeah, so to say talk to each other or something, and it, yeah. it, it, it just presents that opportunity to. Or and I would hate to lose data. Correct. That, and that we can output it to help people understand what about services. So I was intrigued by that as well. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, any other questions from? Thank you for that. <laughs> two big questions. Um, Anything else from commissioners on this? Um, all right, Ed, can we uh, ask for public comment on this item then? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item E? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item E. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Hearing no further request to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item E from commissioners? I move. Uh, from Commissioner Jung is moved. A second. From Commissioner Lum, thank you. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can we please take a roll call vote to approve item E? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. We have a unanimous vote. Okay, thank you very much. Um, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item F and re does require a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with San Francisco In-Home Supportive Services Public Authority for the provision of emergency on-call in-home supportive services during the period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2023 in the additional amount of $347,886 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $2,119,822 and Sandy Tran, I will be presenting this item. Welcome. Good morning, President Kutzman, Commissioner and Executive Director Beeman. My name is Sandy Tran, and I'm one of the in-home supportive service program manager. I'm here today to request your approval to modify our existing contract with the IGSS Public Authority for the provision of emergency on-call IGSS service. IGSS is a consumer-directed program that provides personal and domestic service to individuals with functional needs. The San Francisco IGSS public program service about 25,000 consumers. The vast majority of these consumers receive care from family members or friends, and a small percentage of consumers receive care from non-related independent providers. The IGSS on-call service contract provides a me mechanism for consumer to access a backup provider in the event that their regular provider is not available. The contract also serves as a value resource for consumer who discharge from the hospital without a provider in place. This contract would allow the consumer to obtain a provider for service promptly. 
and it helps the consumer to transition safely in their home and avoid readmission to the hospital. On average, our ITS on-call service provides about 610 hours per month serving 39 unduplicate consumers. The ITS public authority provides highly reliable service seven days a week to consumers up to 7 p.m., including holidays. Public Authority is a good partner to IGSS because the service they provide make a difference to consumers who do not have a regular provider available. Our collaboration with the Public Authority on-call service has provided good service to consumers in need and yield high satisfactory rate. This is a critically important contract provide necessary care for individuals who rely on IGSS to live safely in the community. I would like to request your approval to extend our existing emergency on-call IGSS survey contract for one year with the San Francisco IGSS Public Authority. Thank you for your consideration. I'm available to answer any question you may have. Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, are there any comments or questions from the commission on this item? Um, Commissioner I have a comment. I'm actually the president of the public authority now, and um, this is the time that is going to come, and that is the critical um, program. Um, and it may not even be enough because the um, um, the public authority gets so many calls for emergency services, but um, I just, you know, as uh, I need critical and adults as a vulnerable population, so that was just my comment. Okay. Thank you so much for always speaking to that, um, Commissioner Bettner. We appreciate that. Um, Anything else from other commissioners on this? Then um, could we uh, call for public comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item F? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item F. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. And hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from Commissioner? I'm, I make the motion. <laughs> yes, Commissioner Bittner, thank you for moving uh, item F. A second from Commissioner Jung. Um, uh, Mr. Secretary, can we please take a roll call vote to approve item F? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. It's a unanimous vote. Okay, thank you. Commissioners, the next order of business thank is you. agenda item G and requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization for a sole source waiver exemption and to enter into a new grant agreement with Swords to Plowshares for the provision of legal assistance for veterans with mental health 
claims during the period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2024 in the amount of $114,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $125,400. And Paolo Salta will be presenting this item and I'm looking remotely for Mr. Salta. Welcome. <laughs> Hello, commissioners. Am I coming across clearly? Yes. Okay, yes. great. Thank you. Um, I'm a bit under the weather, so I'm opting to present remotely today. Uh, good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director Thierman. My name is Paula Salta, Analyst with the Benefits and Resource Hub. Uh, the San Francisco County Veterans Service Office, which is housed within the Department of Disability and Aging Services, will partner with Sorts of Plowshare to host free legal intake clinics and provide expert legal representation for veterans with complex VA benefits and discharge upgrade cases. The project goals for the program are as follows. One, engage in outreach to underserved veteran populations to increase their awareness of VA benefits, discharge upgrade processes, and access to mental health resources and treatment. These populations include less than honor honorably discharged, homeless students, women, and LGBTQ veterans. Two, increase the number of veterans eligible for VA mental health treatment and benefits. And three, streamline and coordinate services between the San Francisco County Veterans Service Office and community-based veteran services. Sorts of Plowshare will provide outreach at their drop-in center, their seven supportive housing sites, the San Francisco Vet Center, City College of San Francisco, specifically the Veterans Student Center, LGBT, the LGBT Veteran Support Group, the Veterans Justice Court in SF and other locations where underserved veterans seek support. As mentioned in the scope, the grantee will provide legal counseling, case analysis, advice, self-help materials, and legal intake for full representation by an attorney. All staff attorneys are VA, VA accredited veteran service officers and Sorts of Plowshare operates a veterans pro, bon pro bono program to increase their capacity and will place cases as appropriate with volunteer attorneys, attorneys under the mentorship of staff attorneys. The current two-year grant term started in 2020. Sorts of Plowshare was monitored on May 19th of this year, and they are on track to meet all programmatic objectives. A sole, a sole source waiver was used for the new grant term due to Sorts of Plowshare, of course, being named in the California Department of Veterans Affairs Grant Award. Thank you, commissioners, and I'm open to answering any questions you may have at this time. Okay, thank you, Mr. Salta. Are there any uh, comments or questions from the commission on this item? Mr. Lone, Commissioner Lone. Uh, can you tell me, uh, or just uh, I should say, clarify for me, uh, are these counselors uh, uh, employees of Source and Prowshare, or are they coming out of the uh, Veteran Service uh, uh, Office? Um, it, the counselors mentioned in the scope. So there are counselors within um, Source of Plowshare and County Veterans Office. So this program will also enable kind of a cross connection. So when there is a more complex legal claim, um, that case or that veteran will get elevated to sorts of plowshares so they can provide this kind of support. But more, I guess, um, more common veteran claims can be supported by the county veterans office that we have housed within DOS. Thank Does that you. help a bit? Okay. okay. Any other questions on this item? All right, should, uh, can we uh, please have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item G? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item G? 
Moderator, can you please open the phone lines for public comment on agenda item G? We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Thank you. Um, hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item G from commissioners? Approved. From Commissioner Sklar has moved. Uh, item G a second. From uh, Commissioner Lum. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item G? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner <coughs> Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. Every unanimous vote. Thank you. Um, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item H and requires a vote by the commission. It is requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with the Community Living Campaign for the provision of home-delivered groceries for the period of January 1st, 2022 to June 30th, 2025 in the additional amount of $135,704 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $1,124,732. And uh, Tiffany Kearney will be presenting this item. Welcome back. Thank you. Good morning again, Commissioners, President Knudsen and Executive Director Dearman. We are now asking the Commission to approve an amendment to the grant agreement with Community Living Campaign for Home Delivered Grocery Services. 20% of the additional funding, which is a little bit over uh, 27,000, uh, reflects the cost of doing business increases adopted by the city this year. And the remaining 80%, uh, which is a little less than $109,000, is for staffing infrastructure in the next three years of the grant. Community Living Campaign has experienced growth as an organization and as a DOS nutrition partner, responding to the increasing need for food support in the community. What started out as a modest home-delivered grocery uh, program, delivering roughly 1,100 bags of supplemental groceries to approximately 60 older adults and adults with disabilities um, a little over a decade ago um, in one district, has grown into a program that delivers over 11,000 bags to at least uh, 260 adults and adults with disabilities in several districts, including District 7, uh, District 10, and District 11. They also provide supportive services for their home-delivered grocery clients and conduct outreach. With their growth, um, the increased staffing is also needed to maintain quality services. The additional funding supports roughly 5% increase in the number of FTE dedicated to the grant. The, that's uh, sort of, they go from uh, 2.41 <laughs> FTE to uh, 2.53. DOS conducted a virtual program monitoring uh, for the grant last fiscal year and determined that the Community Living Campaign was in compliance and that they met the program outcome objectives for fiscal year 2021. Thank you very much, and I'm happy to answer any questions you might have about this addition to their grant. 
Any questions from commissioners on this item? Um, I just. It's security. Uh, I understand um, the cost of it. Uh, what you presented is basically the additional funding is to basically fund additional staff mm -hmm. needs. Not not it's not increasing the the number of groceries or clients being served. No, not not with this particular modification. Um, because community living campaign has I'm really going to have to get used to this microphone. <laughs> it's a mean mic. Not your fault. Yeah, um, they've grown um, a lot over the last several years, and particularly in the nutrition um, in the nutrition world. And so, you know, they've because of that, they've needed to kind of bring on a little bit more infrastructure, like for data reporting in um, the get care system and that type of thing. So this is really just to kind of keep them on a good track to continue to be successful. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? No, I, I was gonna ask the location of the services, but you answered that question. It's, it, it's grown from, you're saying, one district to now serving three. Yeah, I, I was, I mean, I actually wasn't with DOS when this program started, but I was kind of looking back at all the, the old um, contracts and just to see like what, you know, what, when it had started and sort of, yeah, and it was started originally at like sort of one, just kind of one um, one area and now is in those seven, or those three different districts. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you, that helped. I mean, that made it make more sense. Any other questions from commissioners on this item? Then can I ask for public comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item H? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item H. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item H from commissioners? I move. From commissioners, a second from Vice President Spears. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you please uh, take a roll call vote to approve item H? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. <laughs> Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. It's a unanimous vote. Thank you, Commissioners. Commissioner, I've been asked um, just uh, to do a vote on item F uh, because our Commissioner Bittner has ne needed to recuse herself because she's on the board of IHSSPA. Uh, we have a good full quorum here today, so that is not an issue. Uh, but I, what I'm going to do is just read uh, the item again, ask for a motion and a second, and we'll just re-vote uh, with, without Commissioner Bittner. So um, item F, I'm just... course it would be on the page you need to turn back to it's, it's all good <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with San Francisco in-home supportive services public authority for the provision of emergency on-call in-home supportive services during the period of July 1st 2022 through June 30th 2023 in the additional amount of three hundred and forty seven thousand eight hundred 
$86 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $2,119,822. Um, do we have a motion to approve item EF from commissioners? So moved. From Vice President Spears, a I second from Commissioner Jung. Uh, could we please have a roll call? And we did did ask for public comment and and um, uh, comments from commissioners, so that that can be just incorporated into yep. that. All right. President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. You have a unanimous vote. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, Commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item I and requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with Project Open Hand for the provision of nutrition and supportive services for healthy outcomes during the period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2026 in the amount of $2,185,448 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $2,403,992. And Tiffany Kearney will present this item. Hello again. Hello again. <laughs> uh, we are now seeking your approval for a new grant with Project Open Hand for a nutrition program that offers medically tailored meals with nutrition education and nutrition counseling to DOS clients who have a chronic disease diagnosis in which an individual's dietary intake can have a significant effect on the management of the disease. With nutritionally appropriate and culturally responsive meals, Project Open Hand aims to improve the dietary intake of program participants and have a positive impact on their health and management of their chronic disease. Currently, the chronic disease diagnoses include um, a heart disease, congestive heart failure, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and type 2 diabetes. Most program, program participants are referred from um, health clinics and doctors throughout the city. Clients are assessed every six months for program eligibility and outcome measures. Meal support is provided um, through prepared meals and groceries that follow the most current dietary recommendations for the client's identified chronic disease. Clients have the option of meal support delivered to their home or to pick up their meals and groceries from a Project Open Hands main site as well as three mobile distribution sites outside of health clinics in the Bayview, Excelsior, and Mission neighborhoods. Supportive services include uh, counseling, nutrition education through classes, cooking demonstrations, and printed materials. The pandemic has necessitated a hybrid model for supportive services that includes both in-person and virtual platforms. Feedback from the program last year was very positive with 98% of respondents reporting that their overall health uh, was maintained or improved. 79% 79 um, reported maintaining or improving their medication adherence and 66% of clients with uh, type, two, type 2 diabetes saw a reduction in their hemoglobin A1C, which is a test used to measure 
how well an individual's diabetes is controlled. DOS is very excited to continue its partnership with Project Open Hand in the provision of medically tailored meals and the ongoing development of the program. Thank you very much, and I'd be happy to answer any questions you might have at this time. Any questions and concerns or comments? Um, then do we have any public comment? Do we call for public comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item I? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item I. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Hearing no further request to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item I from the commissioners? So moved. Uh, from Commissioner Sklar, thank you. And as I saw a second from Commissioner Jung, I'll recognize that. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item I? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay, thank you. Thank um, you. Commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item J and requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with legal assistance to the elderly for the provision of health-related legal services and LGBTQ plus life planning services to older adults and adults with disabilities during the period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2024 in a combined amount of $437,092 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $480,801. And Mr. Michael Zog will be presenting this item. Welcome again. Uh, hello again, commissioners. Uh, before you with this item are two sort of very specific legal service initiatives um, that I'll, I'll break down for you. First off, we have um, our dedicated, our health law, our health-related law program. And this is pretty, pretty straightforward. This is essentially a dedicated staff attorney position who will represent um, older adults and adults with disabilities um, as they sort of tangle and untangle from uh, health-related uh, health issues, um, typically related to health uh, insurance and, uh, and health benefits. Um, this comes with the idea that having access to health services as well as paying the right amount for those health services is really critical towards um, successfully living uh, independently in the community and remaining healthy through the, through the aging process. I think it's also kind of in response to what's becoming more and more of a universal human experience of interacting with your health insurance company or your medical provider and it being a very complicated and difficult and frustrating process that often seems and does require an attorney to figure out what everything says. Um, what's, what's cool about this program also is that it works very closely with our HICAP, our Health Insurance Counseling and Advocacy Program which is a Medicare counseling program, as well as our ombudsman program, which is essentially a skilled nursing facility or residential care facility for the elderly um, advocacy uh, and, and client-focused organization. So with the three working together, um, they are able to high cap and ombudsman are able to um, uh, do a lot of the education um, and advocacy work and, and untangling of sort of more basic or, or, or straightforward issues. 
and they're able to triage and refer across to the legal provider uh, for those more complicated issues, as well as the legal provider uh, referring folks back to ombudsman or high cap should someone come forward with something that is more in their, um, in their area of expertise. Uh, our, our second item here is um, our LGBTQ life planning uh, legal services program. This was developed um, in response to a recommendation from uh, the LGBTQ Aging Task Force report, which recognized that uh, many uh, LGBTQ older adults um, lack basic life planning uh, documents, such as wills, uh, powers of attorney, and healthcare decision-making documents, and, and these are important things. Um, this program is, is, is really interesting and has kind of a multi-purpose flow. I think the first thing it's doing is it's educating and outreaching into the community to provide some basic information, but also letting people know that they're there to provide this service. It's then um, having the cultural competency and building the trust with, with clients um, to really get into very personal um, uh, decisions um, uh, and, around medical care and end-of-life care. From there, they are sort of transitioning into their more legal hat and, and distilling that down into legal documents that um, have to, that are recognized and must be followed, um, and helping those clients get those documents in place with ultimate uh, authorities who are going to have to respect those wishes and follow them uh, when, that, when that time comes. Um, it, this, this program has already had about four years of operation and served over 424 clients. Um, just kind of some examples of the things they do. Um, a, a client had come in um, who had been recently uh, diagnosed with a deteriorating health condition and was immediately able to complete documents uh, naming a close friend um, as their power of attorney and healthcare decision maker as they went through that process. Um, we had a, a client who came in and was able to, had some, uh, some estate plan documents in place, but was able to update those and refresh them, um, and particularly develop um, very specific wishes around um, uh, post-life care, particularly uh, 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 disposition of personal property, as well as um, disposition of remains in this place, in, in, this, position, in this situation, expressing a, a preference for cremation um, and the surrounding uh, sort of festivities that would, would come with that. Um, uh, another one, another kind of fun one was a tradesperson who had, had worked in the trades for many years and kind of collected a lot of tools and equipment that was very specialized. Um, and they were able to work to develop an estate plan that um, had very specific disposition of that equipment so that it went to family and friends who were in that particular industry so that that equipment could be passed on um, to next generations for use. Um, I think that the other thing, kind of in closing, the other thing I want to highlight about kind of the, one of the sort of hidden values in this is that when these documents are put in place, um, the provider often gets a lot of feedback from both the client and the client's family of appreciation that these things were in place, they were understood um, as that individual or that family um, uh, started to go through difficult times, either focused on, on uh, recovering from health issues or in end-of-life situations. I think um, without having these things in place, it leads to like a lot of scrambling and nuisance and trying to figure out everything. Um, when really there are more important things to, to focus on uh, uh, at that time.
hidden benefits there. Um, with that, um, I don't have any other comments. I'm happy to answer any questions. Any comments or questions from commissioners on this? Yeah, I was very happy to see this program. I think probably all of us up here are either going through this or <laughs> have or will or we're pretty aware of the issues involved in helping plan and execute and implement estate plans at this age. So, and especially in the, uh, I just want to highlight LGBTQ community uh, where oftentimes family members are, are not engaged and don't understand the life that you may have uh, lived. It's a particularly important service. Um, what I was kind of interested in is just the criteria. You mentioned outreach. I was just curious about that. And then um, also that there's no real income eligibility for these services, if, I if I'm correct, except that it said just people who are in need of legal services. So is, that a, is there an income eligibility sort of wrapped in there, or is this something people who, who hear about the program can uh, take there is, So there is not an income, specific income eligibility requirement. Uh, we do, we have it in here and we ask that the services are targeting um, lower income uh, populations, understanding that they are at a greater economic um, need for a service like this, but we do not specifically turn people away uh, due to too high of income. Yeah, that's what I thought it was a light, I mean, I understand the target and yeah. why we would want those, that to be a target, but just interested that it was really just in need of legal services was the criteria and to outreach um, there are it's, outreach is typically done through sort of presentation or on-site appearances or now zoom appearances um, with organizations those are typically going to be LGBT focused organizations mm -hmm. uh, open house uh, being one uh, Curry Senior Center uh, mm -hmm. being, being another okay thank you all right any other questions from commissioners on this item then should we hear from uh, Call for public comment, please. Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item J? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item J. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderators, do we have any caller in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Thank you. I'm um, hearing no further requests to speak. We'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item J from commissioners? I'll make the motion. All right. Thank you. Commissioner Bittner is, have, has moved item J a second. Second. From Vice President Spears. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take the roll call to approve item J? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. I have a unanimous vote. All right. Thank you. Commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item K. It requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Felton Institute for the provision of case management services to older adults and adults with disabilities during the period of May 1st, 2022 through August 31st, 2022 in the additional amount of $35,804 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $312,631. And Melissa McGee will be presenting this item. Welcome. 
Hello, I'm wondering if it's morning or afternoon. Just, just so I'll say hello. <laughs> We're trying to get hello. President Knudsen, Commissioners, Executive Director Dearman. My name is Melissa McGee, and I'm a program manager with the Office of Community Partnerships. So today I'm seeking your approval to modify the existing grant agreement with Felton Institute for their case management program. The purpose of this modification is to provide additional funding in the amount of $35,804 which will cover salary, uh, some staff travel, and a laptop for the period of time, um, for the period of time for this additional case manager position. This is a temporary position which will run from May 2022 through August 22, while the current case manager is out on an emergency absence. Uh, this will ensure that Felton can continue to provide their case management services to their clients without interruption. Uh, case management services facilitate connection to services to help promote and maintain optimal level of functioning for individuals in the most independent setting as possible. Program monitoring for this grant was conducted in April 2021 and the program was in compliance and monitoring for fiscal year 21-22 uh, is scheduled to be conducted in June. Um, I request your approval to enter into this contract modifications. Um, any, are there any questions? Okay, any um, comments or questions from commissioners? No. Okay, then uh, can we call for public comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item gay? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item K. We allow some time for callers to submit their requests. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item K from commissioners? I move. From, uh, Commissioner Bittner has moved the item K to approve. Second. Item K. Second from Vice President Spears. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item K? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous decision. All right. That can thank you very much. That concludes our business today, Commissioners. I wanted to remind you there's going to be no July DOS Commission meeting. Our next meeting will be Wednesday, August 3rd. And certainly if this represents a little bit of a break for the staff <laughs> from having to prepare us for these, uh, we, we're glad about that and wish you, a, if people are able to take some time off, that you take a break. So that, that's a good thing. Um, and are there any other announcements from commissioners? Yes, Commissioner Long. Yeah, being this is the uh, API month, uh, there, if you will walk across the street to the Veterans Building, there is a display that uh, uh, document the historical achievement and contribution of the Chinese American in the military. And it goes, it goes from the Civil War all the way to the current times. So if you have time, please go in and take a look. And that's free of charge, right? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. You can just, anytime you walk in down Van Ness during business hours, right? So it's great. Um, all right, then this meeting is adjourned. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you all. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care, Commissioner Slark.